0: Burnout is something you hear about, but would you know it if it hit you? Would you notice if you lost your way and you didn't get fired up about what you were doing anymore? Andrew Silito has built his business around helping business owners scale without burnout. Yes, scaling a business takes hard work and tenacity, but you can do it without embracing all the stereotypes we know. Hi there, and welcome back to Amplify, the digital marketing entrepreneur podcast. I'm Bob Gentle, and every week, I'm joined by amazing people who share what makes their business work. If you're new to the show, then take a second right now to subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. You can also grab some older ones when you're done with this one. Don't forget, you can also join our free Facebook community. Just visit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders, and you'll be taken right there. So welcome along and let's meet Andrew. So this week, my guest on the podcast is Andrew silito Andrew, do you maybe want to start by introducing who you are, where you are, and the kind of work you do?
1: Sure. Uh, yep. Yeah, my name is Andrew silito And the work I do, I guess we, you know, business owners and solopreneurs who are perhaps struggling to grow their businesses whilst balancing their personal relationships, staying fit and healthy and avoiding mental burnout. Well, that's essentially what I help business owners do. So I work with business owners by showing them how they can devote equal time, you know, through uh, sort of a method uh, to their work, their body, relationships and mindset, and ultimately bring their life into balance.
0: I think burnout is something that might quite often be misunderstood. And what I would quite like is maybe before we go much further is what's your definition of burnout what is what does that look like because a lot of the time i i wonder if people aren't maybe there and don't even realize that they are there
1: mm, yeah i I'm, I'm not sure if there's one definition for it but i you know i've i've not really met anybody who feels burnout doing what they love right so they might have a level of stress, but even that, they, they might be thriving on on that stress. But I think you're right. It's the problem with burnout is the insidious nature of burnout. So we get very excited about our business, get very excited about, you know, our products and especially when it's doing well and we're out there and we're, you know, meeting with clients and we also recognise that perhaps we've got to be you know, healthy, so we're crushing it in the gym and we're doing all that. We're trying to do all these different things and be there for our families. And I think the challenge with, with burnout is, like you say, people perhaps are there and they don't realize it. And it's because of that insidious nature of, of burnout. And and often it's too late. That That's the, the biggest challenge. And, and unfortunately, majority of my clients, less so now actually, but before, would were coming to me when they were burnt out. Uh, I now I, I'm finding that more people are aware of it maybe they've experienced it before and they don't want it to happen again and they're being far more proactive about it or they see the signs you know so there are kind of two different types of people that I work with really ones that are kind of recovering from burnouts or in, you know f- experiencing it and the others who are perhaps have, have been close to it and don't want that to happen again
0: I think I'm just sort of reflecting on on burnout and my own business career and I think what I'm maybe recognizing a little bit is there was a period, for example, I, I used to run a reasonably good sized agency. And for most of the time I was doing that, I loved it. The mm-hmm. idea of being burnt out doing it was ridiculous because it was just so much fun until it wasn't. Right. But you're so used to the fact, well, you've always loved doing this. so you Obviously, you you love doing it, but all the challenges start to build up, and pile up, and it's this piling up and piling up and piling up that, as you said, it is insidious. Mm. Once you've been there, yeah, you recognize it quite clearly, but for that person that hasn't been there before that catching that moment i guess it's are, are there any real obvious warning signs that people can look for
1: well I think it's you know, there are some obvious signs around uh, fatigue uh being snappy uh being a little bit more short tempered than the normal um putting some of the work ahead of other priorities. So, you know, when you, when you start doing that, when you start neglecting other parts of the life, the stuff that happens outside the office, for me, they're actually tell, tell signs because we've become too obsessed with the business. So, so it's about, you know, finding time, building in time, being proactive to take a step back and, and actually building that into the diary, essentially, that, that is the key to, to avoiding it and and managing it um, because there's always going to be an element of burnout you know that, and and i'm not talking about full full-on burnt yourself out where you feel completely crushed and you need to take time out but there's there's going to be elements of sprints that we need to do in in, in work where we have to put more more time in so people say to me andrew there's, there's just no way you know we can achieve work-life balance and actually i'm not talking about work-life balance i don't I don't talk about it from a work-life balance perspective. I'm not saying every day you've got to finish at five o'clock so that you can go home and spend time with the children. It's just that it's going to be, there are going to be times when you have to be more aggressive with work, more focused on work. But it's it's recognizing that, knowing that, and then being proactive with things like um, whether you would meditate or do some mindfulness work or just go for a walk, uh, whether it's uh, booking a, a, a trip or some time away with your family. Because when we're working all the time, we, we forget these things, you know, we're so in it, months pass and, you know, our, you know whether it's our, our partners are being neglected or our children, and, and then that catches up with us. So it's, it's more about being proactive, I think. Uh, and, you know, exercise, you know, not doing exercise, you know, one of the challenges I have with, with people that I work with, it's not so much getting them to exercise, it's actually to, because some are very ambitious, so they're all in on everything. Right, so it, it's it wouldn't be the first person to say to me, Andrew, and you know, I've taken some advice from you, and I I want to get fit and healthy and get strong. So, uh, so great news is I've uh, I've signed up for the London Marathon, you know, or or, or you know <laughs> what I've I thought about doing a triathlon, and um, I thought, well, I might as well go all the goal in, and I'll, I'll do an Ironman, you know. It's like, well, hang on a minute, right? That's the kind of stuff that leads to burnout, I mean, that's like a full time job in itself. And you're telling me you haven't got time, so. So, and I was there, you know, that, that was me, you know, I've got a sports background, you know, I, I love my ice hockey. I, I like going to the gym <clears throat> and it's it's uh, it's about being able to be a little bit more modest in a way with some of these things, not to be as ambitious, but just to see it as part of a a lifestyle and less is more, you know, and, and my experience has been that the more we focus on our, our body and our relationships, and our mindset our mental health that the business just takes care of itself and that's very counterintuitive for an ambitious entrepreneur or business owner who is really putting the business at the forefront who's got that three-year plan who is saying to his family or her family hey look just hang in there with me maybe no holidays for a while whilst we build this thing out um, but the reality is it never comes. Uh, it comes when we we put our own oxygen mask on first and take care of our our health when we're we 're present with our families and we don 't get that kind of stress that catches up with us you know where we 're being pulled in so many different directions that all of a sudden going back to that insidious nature because it 's not just the burnout is driven by you know, stress at home, you know, where you're trying to now make things work at home or because it's been neglected or all of a sudden the health has become a problem where you've either overtrained or under-trained, you know, whatever it is, um, you know, that that's, that's the challenge and then we start playing catch up with it and then the business has to be put on hold and then that suffers, we end up in this kind of vicious cycle. So it's counterintuitive for business owners, entrepreneurs, business leaders to say, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to put the business at the forefront of my mind. I'm going to put my health and my relationships and my mental health at the very forefront of my mind, knowing that I'll be the best version of myself every day when I turn up to work.
0: And that's where they'll find the difference is the best version of themselves. The best version of yourselves is a bit of a cliche. It It often feels like a cliche, (laughs) but it's also a truism that there are many versions of ourselves and how we put ourselves together is really what dictates that. Mm. So yeah, yeah, I really, really like that. Yep. So, in terms of the work that you do, who is who is it you most often find yourself working with?
1: That's a really good question because it, it's actually changed quite a bit over the years. You know, my, my background was moving from corporate into the performance coaching world, where I was going into organisations and working with uh, teams predominantly because of my my sports background. So, bringing those parallels in and and, and working with team leaders and running leadership programs. Uh, and then I started to transition into small to medium sized businesses mainly because I just enjoyed it more uh, than rather than dealing with the big corporates and still doing leadership so working with their their team leaders and and senior directors and and the more recently in the last 2 years the businesses has transitioned now to working with i would call them solopreneurs and mm. uh, and business owners but business owners who have accepted that it's not a failure to build a business around them and just them. And, and that's something I've learned. Is that, and I think because of changes in technology and social media, it's so much easier to scale a business, you know, not just social media, but automation and so on. So it's, it's easier for my clients now to, to, to scale a business, uh, to outsource once they get ahead head around the idea of outsourcing um, and actually, to grow a, a decent-sized business, which you know, if they if the business doesn't depend on them, and they can automate and create system, put systems in place that actually has some value that they could sell one day, um, but not necessarily the the goal, you know. But to and I, I wouldn't even call it a lifestyle business. I would I would call it something that they are. I mean, some of them are. Some of them, are, you know, want a lifestyle business, um, but they're building virtual teams. You know, they're not. Uh, and particularly now a big lesson learned, you know, as we navigate through COVID-19 is that people that have resisted, uh, you know, having meetings on Zoom and working with freelancers and, um, you know, this work from home or work from anywhere type scenario because they want to have that office, they want to, you know, have the team around them. And, and you, you know, for the most part, their motivation wasn't uh, necessarily to uh, have the, the camaraderie you know, of having people present, which is often, you know, what people think. Actually, it was coming from a place of control. You know, if yeah. I've got people near me, I can control them. I think also and, vanity uh, sometimes. Yeah, I think vanity plays a big to part. To have of, of lots of bodies absolutely. in the office. You know, I'm a, you know, whether it's bricks and mortar or something. You know, there's got some substance to it, isn't it? You know, if you invite people into your office and you've got a nice reception and you know, and you've got this team and it, and it, and it looks great, uh, but I think it, a lot of it is driven by vanity and, and people put that before. Uh, profit before their lifestyle. Uh so so and that and that can cause stress and burnout, you know. I and mean, that's a, a big driver when you you and, and there'll be people out there right now that are downsizing considerably because they've built a business on that vanity rather mm. than, you know, the the actual real reason for for um building a sustainable business.
0: Yeah. I remember having Mike Morrison on the podcast and Mike, I don't know if you know him, but he runs a Mm. business called The Membership Guys.
1: I do know Mike, yeah.
0: And I think for me, he's a brilliant role model because I mean, I think one of the things he said in his interview was, I run a lifestyle business and I make no bones about it. Mm. And a lot of people who don't know what I'm doing look at me from the outside very judgmentally thinking he's just playing at being in business. But you dig into his business, he's turning over with a very very small team more than most large organizations his personal income is far greater than any ceo and he's quite happy mm. to call that a lifestyle business mm. so it's often other people's ideas of what success are what cause us stress
1: yeah absolutely and and in fact i was I was having the same conversation with with chris ducker you know this idea because I, I i asked him i said you know look there's there's these influencers out there that have got massive following, you know, and we look at them and we put them, you know, on a, on a pedestal as if that's the kind of what we should be aiming for. But when you unpick it a little bit, uh, you see that um, there's very little substance behind it. And, mm. and I think you're right. You know, when, when someone's got a, a, a robust business with a good proposition, with a good offer uh, that solves a problem that, so they can serve a, a community... You can make a, you can have a very profitable business rather than letting the ego getting get in the way uh, of of just wanting hundreds of thousands of followers because that's the measure of success. When actually behind that is um, very little profit to be had.
0: Mm. So one of the reasons I was particularly keen to have you on the podcast. I mean, obviously we've met, and I haven't mm-hmm. actually had any time to spend specifically with you to really get to know you. So that's obviously going on in the background, Mm -hmm. but I also follow you on social media and there are a few people I turn to and I look at them and I go, wow, they're really doing a great job. What I love about your social media content is that it isn't one dimensional. Something you said earlier is about sort of being balanced across your business life, your relationships, your, your health and your wellness. And you bring all those, to your game on social media which is really really impressive not many people do that
1: well I appreciate that and it's interesting to hear it from a different perspective because when when you're in it like I am I'm like am I just talking about loads of different things is it coherent is it is it you know useful um, because you know because I do talk about these four key areas you know the, the business so I'm talking about scaling and uh, how to build a business how to lead a business and I'm talking about body and health and and then I'm talking about relationships and then I'm talking about, you know, some of the mindset challenges we have. So, so yeah, it's, uh, it's good to hear that um, because, you know, like all of us that are doing this type of work, you wonder, um, am I getting the balance right? You know, am I, am I speaking to one audience when, uh, and I'm losing this audience over here because, you know, one minute I'm talking about kettlebell training and the, the benefits of using a kettlebell. And then the next day I'm talking about, you know, leadership Um but I think once you get to know your avatar and, and, that, and that's a key thing, isn't it? When you kind of niche and you mm. find who your audience is, you kind of, your avatar is someone who is, for me, you know, is someone who is running a business, who wants to stay fit and healthy, doesn't have very much time. So let's talk about the kettlebell because you can have one at home and you can do it in 10 minutes. And, you know, let's talk about relationships and some of the challenges that we face as, as parents and partners. To, to manage that side of life and as well as, as a business. So, so I suppose over time, with a bit of bravery, it, it, it started to resonate uh, with people. And, and it's also the bravery around speaking directly to that person and, and not worrying um, what, what other people might think of my content because it's not relevant for them. And I experienced that a little bit this year with, with LinkedIn because I, I went live every day uh, for a hundred days on, on LinkedIn. Wow. And when I was very, you know, I think the word's pithy, you know, and direct and talk, really talk to my avatar. And I noticed there was this different group of people actually that were starting to show up on, on the live show every day. And I found myself starting to flex my content thinking that's what they wanted. Right. Cause I made an assumption that, that they were joining it and they were a different profile to what I was used to. And what I forgot in my mind was that the reason why they were coming in is because they liked the stuff I was doing initially. Right. I hope I'm making sense. Um, But it's very easy when you start to see this other audience sort of emerge that to make an assumption that we think, Oh, maybe I need to flex it a little bit for them. And I actually noticed it could have been in my head a little bit, but I, I noticed a bit of a drop off. Like I was losing some of the other people that actually were my avatar. Um, So that that was an interesting kind of uh sort of shift if you like and and sort of just a recognition and and, and the importance of knowing who your audience is and being all in on that audience and if other people come into that um into your ecosystem if you like they're coming because they like the content right and and not to make assumptions about what what they might want and and changing it so i'm impressed with you know people that are able to do that and, and and be all in on, on their audience. And, and that's that's still still a lesson, it's still something I have to catch myself doing.
0: Yeah, I think there's always improvement to be, to be made. And, but I think a mistake a lot of people make, which you haven't made, is thinking that you need to be all one thing, that you need to be, I, I had, there's a gif in my head, but sort of maximum business. Right. <laughs> because nobody is that and people don't connect to that. And I think one of the things my clients often worry about in the beginning is that they, the hyper focus on every single post, thinking that this one post is going to be the one that <laughs> does everything. But actually, it's the tapestry these posts create over time as individual stitches that goes to create the impression. And I think that's what I like about your content is there's lots of different colour and texture in the stitches of your content, which go to create a really clear picture of who you are and what you're about and who you're for. And clearly, everything you expressed about your avatar, there's there's a lot of tick boxes on my list here. So, That's why it's working.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there there you go. And that's uh, that's great to hear. I appreciate that, Bob. Thanks.
0: But I imagine it wasn't always easy. So I'm quite keen to look at, okay, well, this is where you are now, but how did you get to this point where you are confident with all this content? I mean, I know you come from a sales background and a leadership training background, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're happy putting a camera in front of your face or expressing personal things either written or picture or, or video so no, what was your true. content journey like
1: yeah that's a that's a really good question uh, to reflect on i i suppose you know if i if i go back to sort of starting to put content out there you know you start with blogging like everybody does you start blogging and then you hear of this you know there's people vlogging and i think oh probably should get on camera at some point <laughs> and start doing that um, but right now I'm in my comfort zone, so I'll just keep posting, keep, keep blogging and turning up. And, and I, was, I found that what worked for me was that if I could turn up to a networking event and get a, a speaking opportunity, that that would generate leads and usually convert to business. Um, well, clearly this year, there are no speaking gigs. So even my keynote you know, paid gigs have, have all been cancelled. So, um, so it's been so the only opportunity really. It has been to to get online and and actually start to really take that seriously. So whilst I've I've got online programs, I I created one a couple of years ago. Uh, I would say that that's probably been the hardest thing for me to do. You know, I I always say to people, look, if if I was at a conference as as a, an a, an audience member, let's say it was the you know the Uppreneur Summit, right, and and Chris turned to me and said, Hey, Andrew. Um, one of our speakers has dropped out. I just wondered if you want to jump on the stage and do something. <laughs> I would go, yeah, no problem. I'd love that, right? Mm. You put, put that, you know, but as soon as you put that camera in front of me and that red light goes on, I don't know what I'm going to say next. Like I just, I mean, I've got over it now. And, and I think doing live has helped with that because there's a, well, there's a bit of structure. There's a little bit of improvisation as well. And I do a Q&A, so I don't know what questions are going to come. Um, so that's helped flex the muscle around that. So I, I suppose I, I'm more natural now jumping on an Instagram story or doing something like that. But I would say two, two to three years ago, uh, I mean, there was so many times when I turned that camera on, looked at it and thought, nah, no, nah, I think we'll leave it till tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's leave it for another day. Um, and I actually ended up having to book somebody uh, to, to film me. You know, everyone, you know, like I was, um, I don't know if you know Rob Balasabas. Um, I do, yes. Yeah, well, so Rob's he's coming on the podcast in Is a he? few weeks time. Yeah, he's such a great guy. Such a great. I'm speaking to him tomorrow actually. He's, he's become a good friend over the years. I,
0: I say I know him if he's listening. We have never met. We have never spoken. We have <laughs> commented on each other's posts. Yeah, yeah. That's as far as it's gone. So I don't know yeah. him, but I will soon.
1: Yeah. Well, I engaged with him actually for a while as my mentor. Ah. And uh, in the early days, and um, and he would say to me, just just get the camera out. You know, you've got live LinkedIn live. Just jump on. Do just do five minutes a day, and I'm like, yeah, 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 sure. And uh, the accountability was going out the window. So, so what I ended up doing was just booking someone, which was quite an investment, but I knew that if I booked someone with the camera and the lights are there, I had to do it. So I started doing that um, as a kind of starting point. And as I started to get more comfortable putting the content out, getting some feedback, I've just found now that I can, I've sort of developed the muscle. So it's a message to anybody, anything really that, you know, gets us out of our comfort zone eventually starts to become comfortable. You know, there's still that little bit of fear, but the fear is more enjoyable rather than concerned about what people will think or if I say something stupid or whatever.
0: Yeah, I think comfort zones are elastic and I think you need to stretch them. But once you stretch them like elastic, once it's warmed up, it's yeah. actually much more flexible than you thought it was.
1: hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I use that analogy uh, in my book, actually. Yeah, the elastic yeah. band. If you hold it for stretch for a period of time, it's bigger when you let, let it go back to its comfort zone. So that's... That's like us as human beings. We, we can go back to our comfort zone, but we're usually better than we were before.
0: So, where are you finding your challenge now? Because obviously, you're not somebody who just sits around thinking, hey, this is easy now. I'm just going to relax. Where are you finding your challenge at the moment?
1: Uh, well, there's been a few challenges. I mean, again, everyone's had a challenge this year because of the, the, what's happened. But, um, you know, the majority of our work uh, is face to face leadership programs. Mm, you know, that's just yeah. another business. But that, from a revenue perspective, you know that that's a big part of my. It's kind of my entrepreneurial side, if you like. I've got, I've scaled that, and I've got um, people delivering those programs. But this year, we just it's just been wiped out. So that that's been a challenge, and and also, you know, sort of knowing that we're quite vulnerable in that in that respect, and and to kind of think about how we can mitigate the risk of that those sort of things happening in the future. But the challenge right now. Um, it's a good question i and I find it quite hard to to answer because we're in such a strange time it of is, reinventing it's very... you know reinventing and you know, but I would say probably the biggest challenge is you know I, I still think I get a bit of that imposter syndrome, mm. you know, so more of a mindset challenge than a a physical um problem, you know, around sales. Yes, you know, I, I've got a, a workshop and we get, we've we got to get bums on seats. It's an online program. So there's a challenge around getting people into our sales funnel and getting them on a phone call and, you know, talking them through the program, see if it's the right fit for them. And and then hopefully them signing up, you know, that's a challenge in itself, but that's business, right? Um, but I think we all have that same challenge of, will I fill it? Will I be able to do it? You know, um, will people enjoy it? You know, all of those those kind of that inner voice um, that we all experience. And again, you know, I I started life really when I moved into performance coaching as a sports psychologist. So I was working with athletes as well. I still do work with athletes. Um, And that, that voice is real. And it's just, and what I've learned, I suppose over time is to, to make sense of that voice, to, to try and see it as an ally rather than a, um, a villain, if you like. Yeah. Um, And, so I'm I've i it's a still a challenge but I but I I I'm much quicker at being able to to turn things around and get refocused and and have that that kind of positive view on things. So one thing you mentioned earlier on
0: was your book and you've sort of referenced the four keys several times but I haven't really nibbled into what that is at all. So I'd be quite keen for you to maybe explain in terms of burnout. Mm what are the four keys tell me about the four keys
1: well i'll tell you how they came about and then and kind of how it started so short short version is burnout is something that we've witnessed i've witnessed in my family so my father had a a, a good business i come from a family of bakers i was always going to be a baker there's no doubt in my mind that i'd be a baker until my dad sold the business and he moved into construction It was the eighties. So he did very well, Uh, built big houses. We lived in Southeast of England, Tumbridge Wells. So big houses in, or real Tumbridge Wells as we like to refer to it. Um, uh, And my dad did very well. You know, we had very nice lifestyle. But as quickly as he made his money, there was a, a crash in the 91 crash and he never really recovered from it. And he probably had let himself go a little bit and enjoyed the good life, you know, with the nice holidays, the rich dinners, you know, and all of that stuff. My dad was very, he enjoyed that. Um, and in 93, uh, my dad said goodnight to me, asked me for a hug. I declined, actually he asked me three times. I was 16 at the time. And, uh, oh. and, and he went off to bed and that was the last time I saw him. He died of a heart attack, age 48. So, so it's always been on my mind, this, this idea of being a business owner and entrepreneurialism and, and how the effects it can have on the family, the health. Um, so it, I, I decided that I don't think I decided to be a business psychologist at that point, but I certainly decided that I would go all in on my, my hockey career and on life and, and live it to the full and, and not do something that I didn't truly understand just to make money and die, which I think unsadly a lot of people do. Um, so I uh, spent 20 years with this on my mind. I actually worked at Yellow Pages for four years as a, as a field sales consultant, which I thoroughly enjoyed. That's and an induction in a half. Exactly. Yeah. It was a. I mean, it was certainly an induction into planning and, and managing your day and and productivity. But the connection that I made with a lot of these business owners, you know, because I was dealing with your bricklayers to your plumbers to electricians to some big businesses as well. And as I moved up the business, I got bigger accounts. Um, but I would work with them for four years. We had this kind of continuity, and sometimes you'd see this decline. I could see. Uh, the, I had this empathy for these business owners this natural empathy and probably because of my experience with my dad and um, so I, I really always felt like I wanted to be some sort of consultant uh, rather than someone that was selling advertising you know so that kind of so when I got this opportunity to be a performance coach I joined Blue Sky Performance Improvement and and that's kind of where my career shifted um, by 2012 I'd uh, well actually 2015 by this point, I'd written my first book, Managing the Mist. I was married with two children, and my uh, my oldest daughter as well from previous relationship who now is 21. Uh, so my wife was her stepmom. I, I was all in on uh, the business, growing the business. So I launched my business in 2012. I was traveling to the Middle East, America, to America. I was the head coach for Team GB for inline hockey. And uh, mm. so I did that for four years. We won a gold medal and I was, you know, just all in on all of that and and I was like looking to my family, saying they must be so proud of me, you know, because I'm doing all these amazing things. But in reality, I was I was putting more effort into the GB locker room than I was my own family, and I was putting more effort into my clients than I probably was um, my you know my relationship. And uh, the long and short of it was, you know, although these conversations again, it's kind of insidious, you know, how it happened. That my wife just turned around one day and said I didn't sign up for this, and in 2017 we separated, and. Um, it just blindsided me. I was like, what? Hang on, wait. <laughs> you what? You're leaving? And she said, Look, we've been having this conversation for two years. You know, you've just not been listening. And and I was just so surprised that I, you know, kind of followed a similar pattern to my dad, really. Although I wasn't drinking or anything like that. I I was actually, I was suffering with gout. Um, and my family joke about it because uh, my my dad was tough like he didn't complain about anything the only thing he complained about was when he got gout and they joke about how the fact he didn't leave us any anything you know but he left andrew gout um because it's some sort of hereditary disease um and it just and i realized i just the more stressed i got you know i thought it was about diet and food and all these kind of things but actually it was just from stress and burnout and the inflammation in the body which can lead to disease and so on so that put me on a journey of, of kind of discovering nutrition and understanding nutrition um that then coincide that with the relationship and and so on and, and I started talking to other business owners you know quite openly and I just said hey you know this has happened my wife's left me you know and and I, you know I know I'm a sportsman I talk about leadership and how to create locker room spirit and all these kind of things but my health is bad like I can't I can't even get in the gym you know I, there was days where I couldn't even put my feet down I could get out of bed I could I couldn't put my feet on the floor and I had to phone clients up and say look I'm sorry I'm just gonna got a flu or something and then I made something up but you know which was embarrassing in itself because I didn't want to say I'd got this sort of inflammatory arthritis and gout and so on so I realized something had to change and as I started to share it with other business owners you know as people were saying yeah this is really resonate with me you know my relationship's really tough or, you know, I'm worried I'm not going to, you know, see my kids grow up because my, I've just let my health go, you know, over the last three years, been all in on a business. And what happened is uh, through these conversations, I, I pulled a group of people together, about six business owners. It was, it was just a free sort of peer mentoring group, a mastermind, if you like. And so I facilitated it, but it was all online and, and WhatsApp. And I just said, hey, look, let's meet every morning at 5 a.m right? We'll wake up. We'll let everyone know we're up. We'll try this meditation thing, you know, try and do the stuff that other people seem to be doing and it's helping them uh, get some clarity. So we we tried that and we got some really, it was good fun because, you know, people were saying, oh, I meditate, but I just fell asleep after five minutes or, you know, I, I meditate, but I ended up worrying about my to-do list or, but so we, we were just kind of playing with this thing. And then we got into a bit more mindfulness and I, Saw Mark Devine, who's an ex-navy, still so we'll talk about box breathing. So we introduced that. Started doing box breathing in the morning. We said we'd, we'd do a hit session every day. You know, ten minutes. We're not going to the CrossFit box and doing like an hour in the gym or anything like that. Just ten minutes. Get a walk in, and and do something nice for our partner. So at this time, I was separate from my wife, and but I said, look, let's just put the kids at the centre of it. Let's try and be a team around the kids. Let's create the right environment for the kids, and and I would just keep trying to do these. Uh, I'd read books like the love languages and all this kind of stuff and acts of service and words of appreciation, which I understood with my my wife's motivations. So getting into this territory that I'd never been in. Right. I mean, this is this was all like woo woo stuff. Right. Um, I was a business psychologist. You know, you just get your processes in place, get some metrics in place, hit the numbers, you know, uh, build mm. good client relationships. And now I was bringing this whole thing together into kind of one salient thing and and that's how the four keys was born because it was like all right we're going to do something in our business we can do something in our body we can do something in our relationships we can do something in our mindset and we're going to do it daily and we created visions we did vision boards and we did um uh 90 day game plans and then looking at how we can uh, win daily structure our day and the guys were just like this is just amazing you know you've got to do so you know write a book or something about this or so all the the stuff that we talked about the case studies are all in the book you know i talk about that group and how it was born and, uh, and, and as part of my 90-day game plan I, it was actually my year vision I um, talked about how I wanted to get fitter and healthier uh, reduce inflammation my body so I, that was a goal I'd, I talked about how I imagined as deluded as it seemed at the time because our relationship was a write-off that we would have an apartment in Prague and we would you know be a happy family one day and you know and if you ask my wife now she's like there's just no chance of that happening right? That, that, that moment had gone, right? Uh, and I had some goals with the business. So I wanted to create an online business. I wanted to uh, write a book. I wanted to um, kind of scale the business. And somehow these things just started to happen, you know, through f- doing this stuff daily. And it was just, it was just an incredible experience. So by, so that was to end of 2017, 2019, January 9th, I published uh, The Four Keys and in On December 29th, my wife and I and two children moved to Prague and we are probably happier than we've ever been in our life, you know. And um, so it's the emotional bank account was definitely in a in deficit, but, but over this time of being patient and, and that's a big part of this program It's just, you know, it, it's being patient, being patient with the people around us and so on.
0: I think that's a a great story, and I think it's a, it's a brilliant example of the compound effect over time. a lot of the time we try little things here and there. we push buttons and see what happens, but it's consistently showing up in the right places over time, mm. making the efforts in the right places over a period of time that they start to really have an effect. So uh, yeah, yeah, playing the really long really game, really-
1: the compound effect is is real. like that mm. you know we when we first started doing it, we were like, this is going to be amazing you know, if we do if we do four 90 day game plans a year we are at, it's gonna we're going to like blow it out you know I mean it's, it's gonna be incredible but actually it's impossible um, and that's the point about comfort and stretch you know you stretch yourself for 90 days you go back to your comfort zone you're better faster fitter healthier relationships are stronger etc businesses got a better pipeline all this kind of stuff but actually what we found is that we could just do one or two a year. And if we did one in January, for example, some really aggressive action for 90 days, then we would experience this compound effect for the following you know, nine months. Mm. And I think something,
0: something Daniel Priestley often talks about is having a campaign-led business that you need to run several campaigns through the year. And the 90-day plan within the business context sounds brilliant. There's all these other contexts as well mm. that yeah. yeah, I'm going to have to a go multiple. read your book. It looks really good.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that was the thing, I think. Once we realized that it wasn't just a 90-day target for the business, it was a 90-day target for our health and a 90-day target for our relationships and a 90-day target for our mindset. Now we are kind of got this thing in balance. So whilst I talk about devoting equal time, really it's it's devoting equal attention. You know, it's not like splitting your day into quarters and, and saying, right, I've done my business bit, now I'm all in on the family. But what I have found is that, I seem to be working less hours, you know, than I was before, for sure. I mean, obviously, this but last year, you know, when it was, you know, so that that whilst I think the four-hour work week is a is a bit of ambitious, <laughs> um, I get what Tim Ferriss is talking about about this kind of outsourcing and scaling your business that way. Um, but I do believe there's a there's an opportunity for the solopreneur, for the you know the the business owner who um, is creating. a, what they might refer to as a lifestyle business, but actually a very robust business. Um, I think you can. I think you can genuinely do these things in, in in less time. And there always be time we have to put more hours in, you know, but uh, but I think the opportunity is there for, for a different type of lifestyle now. And I, I really hope that this moment in time has is, is encouraged people to think that way. Well, I hope it
0: has. And I hope anybody listening will maybe sort of look at what they're doing thinking well have i got things in balance have i uh, are there balls i'm regularly dropping and maybe have a bit of a think about why that might be and i think many of the answers will be found in these four keys i think it's a very elegant way of bringing everything together um it's it's obviously a a synergy of lots of different things that are out there but a lot of the, but everything is mm-hmm. and yeah. you've put that into a framework that's very easy to understand and that's actually the hardest thing.
1: It, it, it's, it's not been easy, actually, to, to kind of shape it into what it is now, but it, it's evolves, And I think any business owner out there that's got a product, <clears throat> you know, just get it out there. You know, we, I put it out there, put a mastermind together and thought there's something in this, and, and it shaped and evolved, and I've got feedback and like this, don't like that. You know, and I think that it was a lesson in shipping your product, you know, using a, a Seth Godin analogy, you know, just get it out there and yeah. um, ship. Uh, and then and then make sure you've, you're giving yourself a chance to to get some feedback and I'm sure it will evolve even further so if people want to take things further with
0: you how can how would you like them to connect with you
1: I would I would head over to the website andrewsilito.com because on there you'll find the podcast you'll find interviews that I've had um, so like with Seth Godin for example and I got him to uh, talk about stress and he gives a very very nice definition of what he believes stresses um, so I, I it's, it's just a place f- it's full of content um, so whether it's blogs podcasts um, live shows it's it's all there so Andrew silito siwl dot com uh, and I, I would say that's the best place to go
0: and you will find a link in the show notes so just on your player click show notes you'll find a link there click it it yeah. is a very very vibrant rich website full of great content and i don't say that very often because many aren't (laughs) uh, but yours genuinely is thank you bob so andrew one question i try and ask everybody towards the end of the interview is what's one thing you do now that you wish you'd started five years ago
1: um it would have to be I could look at it in four different ways, but from a business perspective, it would have to be uh, just getting on, getting on the video. I mean, I had so much content back then. I had a book. The opportunity was right in front of me. And uh, yeah, I could have uh, been way ahead of the game um, if I would perhaps believed in myself a bit more um, or believed in the idea. So yeah, I would have definitely got a head start on that.
0: So this is a very fresh answer for me because... Well, it's it's pertinent for me right now. I'm making my first steps into video, and I'm curious to know why you've given that as the answer. Because obviously, it's very fulfilling doing video. It's a big threshold to cross, so I'm curious to know what impact building that muscle has had.
1: Well, I think it's still still evolving for me, and and actually the the strategic side of it, you know, so. W- making sure that there is a content strategy in place. And perhaps that's what I didn't have. I just thought it was, maybe that's why I didn't buy into it. Maybe that's what you're reading into though, being a results orientated person. I just thought, why would I put video out? You know, I'd, I'm much better off having three meetings a day in London and 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 closing some deals, you know, uh, that that rather than kind of having to do a video, edit the video or someone edit, you know, so I probably didn't see the value in it. Whereas now, um I would have probably experienced more of that compound effect. So if I if I'd started started sooner and put some metrics around it. So I'm I'm quite excited about the next phase in that for me. Because you know, I LinkedIn is is my main playing ground. And I've been putting video out, but I've never really had a strategy. So now I'm thinking, right, I've got a strategy for putting content out and I can measure it and I can see which ones work and which ones don't, and I can see uh, how this? How I'm getting people into my into a funnel and leading them to to a a, a an offer. Um, so I, I suppose what you're hearing is that I've I didn't see the value five years ago, uh, whereas I see the value now in hindsight. And yeah. if I'd had the right strategy and right metrics around it.
0: No, that makes a lot of sense. And again, I resonate with a lot of that. Andrew, you've been a fantastic guest. I'm so grateful for your time. I can't You've been a fantastic host. Oh, you're the best guest now. (laughs) Thanks for your time. I can't wait to meet you again.
1: Yeah, likewise, Bob. It's been a pleasure.
0: When I say the phrase scaling a business, there are all kinds of cliches which spring to mind. Yes, we need to work hard, but we don't have to do that and sacrifice everything else. It's not all about self-care either. Maybe it's about balancing the challenges across all four keys and growing ourselves as well as our business. Before I go, just a quick reminder to subscribe. And if you haven't, then join our Facebook group. You'll find a link in the show notes or visit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders. I would love for you to connect with me on social media. You'll find me wherever you hang out. Just search at Bob Gentle. If you do, then message me, let me know and I can follow you back. If you enjoyed the show, then I would love for you to review it whichever player you're using, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, whichever player you're using. If you can drop a review on there, it helps that player understand that this is a podcast that matters to you. Uh, and it really helps me a lot. My name's Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Andrew for giving us his time this week and to you for listening. And I'll see you next week.